Welcome to Hallel Fellowship, found on the internet at hallel.info. That's H-A-L-L-E-L dot I-N-F-O. We hope you are encouraged by the following recorded Bible study to look deeper into every word that proceeds from the mouth of God and how they were lived out in the life of Yeshua HaMashiach, often called Jesus the Christ. Miketz, which is Genesis 41, verse 1 through 44, verse 7. Fun story. Before we go into our spiel t- topics about this, any comments or questions you have about this Torah portion? Those of you who are online, you can unmute yourself so we, if you have a question. Uh, yes, Larry. A thing the other day about uh, it was a, do- a documentary on why did the Holocaust happen? Mm-hmm. And one of them, they said one of the major reasons was they said it's been going along forever with the Jews. And just like they say with the, uh, they, they didn't eat with them. The, he said that was the reason why it, it was able to happen. If it, if it hadn't been kind of in, indoctrinated into all of the, the whole world's uh, societies, people would have probably not gone along with it. It's an interesting topic. We had, my wife had a discussion earlier today regarding this exact topic, regarding the Holocaust issues and people's separation and why that happened and such. Um, I, it, it's interesting co- discussion we had because she had mentioned Dr. Murner earlier this week regarding this topic in that it is the complacency of the people on the suffering side who are willing to endure it and not protest and not speak up and not say no that allows such a thing like that to occur uh, yes we, we say well the bad guys did the bad thing well yes that's true but keep in mind there's also the quote the victims who allowed themselves to be victims. Uh, that there, there's a two-part a- aspect to this. So uh, in, the, in the nature of the Holocaust and other things who've gone over the mass many centuries of the same types of things, whether it's, uh, whether it's Jews or any other ra- racial group or, or religious group, allowing yourself to be a victim and accepting that type of, of, of control over you, of persecution over you, is just as much of a problem as a person who's a victor and trying to oppress you. Uh, the resistance you have, for example, we talked about earlier, roughly 7 million Jews killed, right? Plus like, you know, 4 or 5 million other people were killed in that Holocaust. Okay, now let's put those 7 million people together and say, okay, push back. Imagine 7 million people pushing back against the government. What happens? Governments collapse. They can't withstand 7 million people. They can't even withstand half a million people. Uh, the, the, the politicians, there aren't that many of them. They can't, you know, push back hard enough. Uh, so it, 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 it's a matter of, you on the receiving end are also just as, as, as complicit in the persecution as the one who is actually doing it. There's a pushback that you're responsible for. We call it, we call it in our country, we call it freedom. That's its name. It's called freedom. It's called liberty. I want my freedom. I deserve my freedom. I want to fight for my freedom. That's what we call it. Now, back then in other persecuted countries, they wouldn't necessarily call it, use the word freedom because freedom is an English word. But that's what it is. It is the nature, the concept of freedom or concept of liberty. I'm going to pursue or push for my freedoms, push for liberties, and for your freedoms and liberties too. And not, 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 a, singular, not a singular for myself, but for all. That's what we call it. And so in our nation, it's, it's our tradition, at least for the last few hundred years, uh, that freedom is our primary drive, it is our cause, it is our purpose. 
Now, granted, in Europe, they've had freedom also tried many times, wars and fought for freedom and, and, and civil wars and other types of wars, all in the name of freedom, to be free of the oppressor. So it's just as much as the oppressor as much as the oppressee that allows oppression and, and, and obviously leading to awful things, the Holocaust, to continue on and, and, and function and happen. Does that make sense? It's so, but it's a two-way street here when it comes to persecution. Both the persecuted as well as the persecutor are responsible for allowing bad things or tragic things like this to occur. Uh, yes, Anne. So I agree with you, but at the same time, what they do is graduals, like the frog in the water, you know, getting warmer and warmer, and, and we put up with it. And the problem is, is when they start taking away, you know, oxygen, you, ha- you need to breathe, and or water and food, you get weak. Right. And you, you know, your passivity is coming upon you because your body is weak. Yeah. And then they got you over the barrel. Hence why it's so important to have to, to push against even subtle infractions of liberty. Subtle infractions, that the small, the ones that are minor, it's important to push back against them too. Because by the time it's gotten severe enough for you to push back, too many have already fallen. And, and we wonder if we're too late already now. Okay, but another question, all right. So Joseph said he practices divination. So yes. tell me about that as something. Are you going to plan on talking about it? I had not written that down specifically, but the cons of divination is to bring what is up in heaven down to earth, which he'd already done. He, he had done that multiple instances that we already read about. He did it with Pharaoh's dreams. He did it with the bringing of the butcher and the baker. Or, <laughs> counseling maker. <laughs> counseling maker, too. No, the butcher. Uh, not the butcher. The, the baker, sorry. And the, the wine uh, cupbearer person. He also did it with his own brothers, the dreams he had. So he already brings information from God to people and explains what it is. So that's what David is to bring information to the divine to you. He already does that. And that's a regular event for him, apparently, at least, at least up to this point. Uh, he also divined or, or, or described the solution to the food problem, how to prepare for it, get it ready, and continue on. He could have just said, this is what's going to be, and then move on and experience it himself, uh, being more passive as opposed to, no, being more active, going to do something about it. Uh, so he could have just said, hey, eat, drink, be merry, we're free dead tomorrow for the first seven years. <laughs> and then on the eighth year, we all die. He could have done that, as some of us do, as our nature of passivity is. Uh, or he said, no, no, we're going to prepare for it and, and get it all set so we can endure in, 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 in the, the seven following years. So it's both of, uh, he, he brings what God has brought information-wise to explain it to human beings. We call it prophets, being a prophet or explain, or, or teacher in some ways, depending on how teaching it is. Uh, hold on, Jeff, your hand is up. Yeah, you were you were mentioning earlier about the uh, movement and how you have to fight back against even the smallest movements toward that. And you know, it goes back to one of the things we had talked about uh, the last week was the issue of the slippery slope. And people will push back on that and say, "Hey, well, that's ab- absurd that you're saying that this is this small did was they would always some egregious thing down the line, but." That is indeed what the prophets did, was they would always say, hey, this road you're going on is going to lead to this. And that was a common response to the prophets. They would attack them and go after them and say, oh, no, what are you talking about? It's not going to do that. Blow out of proportion. This, this, this is subtle. This is minor. Exactly. Th- those, are, those, are, those, are, those are, in fact, exactly what we're discussing, which 
and, 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 to, and put this in an internal perspective, just, just you and your own personal life, your own personal story, your own personal wants, desires, successes, and failures, right? You and I all, we're flesh and blood, right? We have weaknesses, things we're not very strong and we can't resist or certain temptations, whatever it may be. It, it, it's different for each person. We're all different. Whether it's what we say, words in our mouth, our actions, it's all varies. It all varies. If you allow a small amount of leniency to yourself, what does that do to you? It's your weaker. You wind up pushing a little bit further, uh, a little more, a little more lax. It, it, it's no different than a rubber band that you over and over and over again, you stretch again and again, and eventually it snaps, right? It's the same principle. If, if, you're not, if you're not vigilant with inside your own body, your own instruction as the prophets as well as the apostles instructors and Messiah did to instruct us to do, sin no more. That was be vigilant, do your best to keep yourself walking a good life, a good line. If you fail, that's all right, that's what God's for, to, to the mercy. But that's not the same as being what we call sinners. Sinners are choosing to fail. They say, I, I actually like this way of life. Forget you, you're a way of, I'm going to do this. That's what we classify as sinners, which is what the Torah usually uh, supports that, and, as well as the New Testament authors talk the same thing. The nature of being a sinner is one who is choosing to follow a negative life. Oh, Deborah, your hand is up. I apologize. Everybody didn't notice that. Go ahead, Deborah. What do you want to say? I, oh, I have two questions. Two things. One's an observation. One's a question. Um, I haven't really. I just thought about it today. About um, Joseph chose Benjamin. Uh, Benjamin. What made him choose Benjamin? You know, I don't know what his plan was. I mean, because I don't know if he had planned what he was gonna do. That's a good question. So Joseph. Uh, yeah. Go ahead. Oh no! And just the the second is the observation is it seems as though we're exactly experiencing that right now. It seems as though right now that's going on with this um, COVID. Uh, mandate is that right now i mean people are deciding whether or not they're going to uh stick together you know but then you know that that's one observation i see that's you know on board for god's people right now but the other one is you know i was thinking why he chose benjamin i know that he was his real brother and had he really had planned for him to stay and i i started to think i wonder if he had planned if he was just doing this off the cuff what he was good what he was doing because he'd already been disciplined by god for all the years that he was in the prison. And so I don't I know. I'm just wondering why God co-signed all this the way he um, decided to, to get to them. So that's an interesting question. Yeah. So regarding your comment, first of all, your observation of modern day, uh, regardless of what I personally believe, what you believe, what anyone else believes, or what you've done in your personal life, the idea of fighting for the right of the individual to say, no, I wish to do this, or I want the freedom to choose one way or another way, that is a positive thing. Regardless, you even agree with their choice. You may not necessarily agree with the choice they're making. It's okay. You're fighting, you're, you're resisting. It's the point is the right to make that choice. But at some point, the question will be different. The choice will be different. It'll be your turn. And you want them on your side helping you out. Even though they, they, they may have a bizarre, extreme, crazy lifestyle that is completely anti-God in every imaginable way. But their right to choose it is critical and important. So when it's flipped around, they'll stand behind you even in whatever lifestyle they're living, they're fighting for your right to choose whatever decision is for you to make. Uh, that's the nature of free society. Regardless of what the person does, they are still a human being who has a voice like you do. I may not agree with them politically uh, 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 or, or religiously or, or morally. It doesn't matter. The right to decide, hey, the way I wish to live is my, wish to, my way of life. I will fight for yours. You fight for mine. 
Now, ideally, so I'll find for your way of to choose. Now let's have a discussion. What's what choices you should make? <laughs> you can have those kind of decisions. Let's discuss the, the way of life you're choosing to live and why it may be beneficial or detrimental to you. That's a good private conversation you have with someone. That's great. But the right to decide it, and choose it is important. All right, that's an important thing. So you're right, uh, Deborah, as far as the issue of even modern day, and it doesn't matter whether it's a mandate or any other rule, a, a government rule, or a, a family rule, or even a church rule, a community rule. The right to decide, is this right or wrong, or do I have the option to choose or not choose? That's what matters. It's your free society. Um, and it's important uh, freedom that many have fought and died for. So it's important to maintain it. Uh, Larry, you, you have uh, your hand up. Joseph had had a dream that all of his all of his brothers and his father were going to bow down to him, and he believed it apparently. And when they didn't, when he when Benjamin didn't show up, he thought something's wrong here. First, he said, "Is, is he still alive?" And they said, "He is still alive. Well, bring him down here. The dream's got to be fulfilled." That's a good point. So, yeah, the 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 the, the nature as Deborah's question is why why was it a big deal for Joseph to bring Benjamin? or not, but to select Benjamin. The first principle of bringing Benjamin down, you're absolutely right, Larry. It has to be fulfillment of the dream. And we're like, well, it doesn't mean that Joseph's like making his dream happen. He's forcing it to occur. Yeah. So? <laughs> so what? Uh, yes, uh, uh, Jared. I finally noticed that Jacob's family has a really hard time with saying, well, whoever you think did it should probably die. <laughs> yeah, they did that a few times now. <laughs> yeah. Or the accused person killed them. Yeah, life is not that important. Yes. Oh, okay. All right, so let's keep on this discussion. So, uh, uh, Deborah had asked a question regarding Benjamin. Yeah, to make it happen, that's an important thing. Now, we discussed this not too long ago, well, too long ago, probably a few years ago, I'm not sure. I lose track of the years as time goes on. Discussed this, the nature of what, what, what examples, what, what, which, uh, 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 what, what examples, what, what way which Joseph represents Messiah in all of his different lifestyle, and virtually everything he does is representative of Messiah in some way. He's a messianic figure and probably the most prominent, most well-defined one inside your inside the, the torah itself uh, so everything he does is a messianic event so it comes to from from being you know in the pit out of the pit we'll discuss it a little bit today from being a soul versus and, and all this everything he does messiah duplicates in his own personal private life so it's it's, it's that's how the cycle is going to work so the nature of benjamin being brought down that is also a messianic prophecy which we'll talk about a little bit about that uh, regarding how that's going to work out and why, why Benjamin had to be selected or brought down in, in, in a particular way. Now, why the whole you know, accused of stealing? I won't go into those details because I can't explain why he chose uh, the stealing pro- tool to make it happen. But either way, he did, he did use those methods. So regarding our tour, so this, this portion, so this, uh, we're going to go a little bit into this. I will not cover every detail of Maquette's. Oh, yes, go ahead, uh, uh, Anne. Um. You know, I noticed that um, in the beginning there was a Jacob says, we'll take pistachios, almonds, and da-da-da. And I'm saying, gee, those are pretty pricey items, you know. And 
and they had a lot of pistachios, and I, could we, maybe they could have lived on pistachios or something. <laughs> it wouldn't have been that great of a diet for very long. But um, let's let's. Uh, yeah, it's an interesting question you bring up there. So note when uh, we'll find out in the next tour portion. Jeff covers it. How many years they're into the famine? So and this they're 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 two years into it. This is the second year. It's not, not, not too deep as far as Finn has obviously multiple years to go. The items which he listed, uh, which is, where is it? Uh, okay. Uh, a, a bit of balsam, a bit of honey, wax, lotus, passages, and almonds. Those are tree foods and tree sources in, 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 in the food item. And of course, the honey it persists regarding, regardless if there's a drought or not. They are not grain products. As you know, grass withers pretty quickly, doesn't it? How about trees? They take a long time to wither. It's not a season. It's not a couple of months and they're dead. No, it, unless it's a brand new one. A full-grown tree that's producing fruit, it takes years for it to start failing. So in their instance, they actually have, the, they're mostly tree items, things that, that can persist in a drought for a couple of years before they're actually dead. So you, those are things that are available in, 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 in Canaan that, are still, that still survive, or still survive the drought. That's, that's, what's, that's what he's referring to. Things that are persistent here that still have, have maintained or so worked. I'm not saying that Egypt doesn't have those same items. They might, but that's not the point. The point is that that's what Canaan still has. So that's what he, what he offered. They may be expensive items, but when that's all you got, that's all you got. Uh, let's see. Let's, let's go to our Torah portion of what we're discussing. All right, so uh, there's a couple of events. We, I mentioned earlier that there's a few things that Messiah does, sorry, that Joseph does that match the Messiah in, in, in his way of life as far as his activity uh, and how, he, how he, the events occurring in, occurring them. Uh, one of the basic, most simple ones we discussed is being cast into a pit. Do you recall, so Joseph was cast into a pit earlier, uh, back in chapter what, 30, 37 it was. His brothers threw him into a pit, right? Now, what is a pit? Hole around. Now, it was empty. There's no water in it, right? We discussed this a couple years back, the topic of pits. Pits are graves. That's what they are. You bottomless pit, you know, it's the grave. The thing that never fills up, right? You always fill it up. So Joseph's thrown in the pit. He's brought out of the pit, lifted out of the pit after the same chapter, like a few verses later. This is verse 37, when he's sold. And he's cast when he's back in, 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 back in, uh, in, in Egypt, down in Egypt, he's cast another pit. We call the dungeon or the, or the jail. And of course, how does he get out of that pit? Pharaoh calls him out. Say, I won't call, call, come out of the pit. The nature of the pit is nature to die. So jo- Joseph represents somebody in the first pit, a case he's, he's dying or being killed or being slaughtered, not physically, but symbolically or metaphorically speaking. It's a th- cast in the pit to die. And of course, he's sold into that pit and brought up by, by, by sale. And of course, the second time, he's cast in the pit by false accusation, which is the dungeon, the whole, the whole, you know, Potiphar's wife, you know, he tried to molest me, blah, blah, blah. And of course, it's a false accusation. In these instances, each of the time, the time he took out into the pit, pit visually, he was cast in the pit because they didn't like him. As far as the brothers wanted to, quote, kill him in, 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 in a manner of speaking, they actually discussed the topic of killing him and not to throw him in a pit instead. He was resurrected, symbolically speaking, into a slavery. That's what he was with. He was, brought, he was bought, he was bought and sold. He was resurrected into slavery on the first time. Uh, being a slave, they go back to Egypt. And as a result, uh, being, being, being a slave, he was the head of his father's household. So he was brought out from out of the slavery, sorry, into slavery, 
and be in charge of the father's household. Who's the father's household? In this case, would be Potiphar's household. A Potiphar's household, he was put in charge of it. So he was sold into slavery. He, quote, died as a free man, thrown in the pit. He was resurrected as a slave. Pulled out of the pit as a slave. And then he, as a slave, becomes charged with his father's household, in this case, Potiphar's. Not his biological father, but the one who's the master, the one who's in charge of a household, a symbolic father, so to speak. I believe next to our portion, Pharaoh is also called a father to them as well. The nature of being a master is also the same thing as being a father, the one who's in charge and responsible for everyone. That's the nature of what the father symbolically means. Now, in his new slavery role as master of his father's household, he, of course, is then cast false accused of sin, uh, found guilty with, with, without a trial, and cast into another grave to die in the dungeon. That was the next cast. So he was false accused. So he was, he was cast into his grave, his death, so to speak, symbolic death, cast life because the sins of someone else, not his own sins, but the sins of other people. He was completely innocent of it. Until at that point, he's called out by the God of Egypt, known as Pharaoh. So God calls him out of that pit, and now he's in charge of everything, the right-hand side of Pharaoh. These are all reminiscent and, 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 and symbolic of our Messiah. Messiah was cast into his pit twice. The only one he actually died in. He was cast twice. The first was cast in the pit is when he was sold. He was sold. Who was the pit he was sold to? What, what, what pit was he cast into? I believe uh, I believe who was going to try him. That's the pit he was cast into. Is a pit. I believe, uh, I believe, uh, was it John the Baptist? Uh, uh, the called the pit of vipers. This is this phrase he used to describe them. They are a pit. These pit the, the Sanhedrin, they are a pit to be cast into, to die. And that first time, aside to the exact thing that Joseph was, was what Joseph was done. I, in, in the case of Messiah, a particular individuals, many of them didn't like him, want to get rid of him, because for whatever reasons, I won't discuss all their individual reasons, most were power losses. They wanted to lose the power to this guy. He was sold and cast in the pit, known as the pit of vipers. This case was obviously the, vi- the people of Sanhedrin who were trying to charge him, try him, and they're cast him over to, to a later full pit, the fourth of actual death, later on. So he's cast to his first pit. Now, he was brought out of that pit, the first Sanhedrin, into the hands of Rome. Rome was the next savior, so to speak. We look at this as Potiphar himself, who had, bought, who, who had bought him, right? So Rome buys besides the Potiphar, bought Joseph. Now he is at the behest, or, or the, 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 whatever Rome tells uh, Messiah to do, whatever uh, uh, Potiphar tells Joseph to do, is the same thing. Rome tells Messiah, what'd you do? What are you guilty of? What sins you commit? What crimes you done? Couldn't find anything, just like we discussed last week, when Joseph was cast in the pit. Potiphar, I personally believe, highly suspected his wife was not being truthful. Because trying to rape your wife, sorry, trying to rape my wife, and particularly your wife, you are the head of the, let's say, the, the, the head of the, I forgot what he's in charge of, the head of the butcher, I think it was, uh, was it? Body, bodyguard, he's a bodyguard. You're trying to rape the bodyguard's wife, what's the bodyguard allowed to do to you? Anything he wants. <laughs> okay. And it normally, to the honor of your wife protector, you would execute the individual who tried to rape her. Right? But then the guy says, oh, let's put her in the prison, prison instead. Which is a slap in the face to your wife because he probably suspected, yes, yeah, she's not telling the truth. There's some suspicious activity here. She has either a reputation, which would not surprise me, or he, he suspects something's odd about this whole scenario. 
Now, did Rome suspect the Sanhedrin was like, this is a bizarre charge? I don't trust this. Did not even say that? Yes, what you're doing, this is not a, he didn't break any laws, as the Roman councils had said. He did it, nothing wrong. This isn't worthy of death. They said, oh, you, you, you have to kill him, you have to kill him, you have to kill him. <sighs> okay, but it's your responsibility. You'll you, you be held responsible for this act because it is your fault this is happening. So even Rome fulfilled the point of Ponifar in, in that role as well. So, and that's the second part of the whole cast in the pit. So Messiah is cast in his pit twice. So Joseph cast in his pit twice. Messiah's pit, the first time was the Sanhedrin itself because they were called the pit of vipers and they treated him such to try him on a fake, fake make-believe charges. And then, of course, the second time, he's actually, Messiah's cast into actual execution. And Joseph, and by the way, Messiah was executed for our sins, not his own, right? Joseph was thrown into his pit for Potiphar's wife's sins, not his own, right? So both the symbols are the same. The story's the same. So God is recording Joseph's story down for what purpose? So we would recognize Messiah as well as he would have a list of items Messiah has to fulfill. Everything God, everything we do, everything that's in the Torah is written down that God is writing it down, recording it down the whole time. How many times was Jacob swindled by Laban? Ten. How many times is that complete against God? Ten. At the tenth time, Jacob said, enough's enough, I'm done. The tenth time, God said, enough's enough, I'm done. The symbols are the same. God's recorded what the patriarchs go through. It says, yeah, I got that, write it down. Next event, got that, write it down. Next event, got that. How did you act? Oh, you react this way? Okay, and got that, write that down. What's going to happen? God said, I'll do just like what you did. I'll match your actions verbatim. Just what you're doing. Now back to Deborah's comment, what she asked earlier. Benjamin. Why Benjamin? What's the deal with Joseph and Benjamin? What's so important? Why, why, would, why, why would Joseph manipulate such a way to arrest Benjamin? Well, let's discuss this for a minute. Oh, yes, Rose, you, you, you have a comment about this. Lost one son, and he could not bear to, to uh, lose the other. So I think um, Joseph thought, if I get Benjamin, daddy will come. <laughs> That's a good, good question. That's a good, good comment. A discussion about that topic in particular. We'll hopefully get into a little bit more about that. What was he, what was he his intent? Uh, uh, Gretchen, you have your hand up too. Um, also, Benjamin and Joseph are true brothers. They're from the same mom, the same dad. And so I think Benjamin is Joseph's favorite brother. Which would make sense, right? Make logical sense for us why he would choose him. And he knew, he knew that it was um, Jacob's favorite. Most likely it would be, because as, jo as Joseph was taken away, all that love and affection, where's Jacob going to put it? He, he lost his wife that he loved dearly. He lost, obviously, Joseph, which he loved also dearly. Where's he going to put the love? Now, could he distribute evilly amongst his children? Sure, he could have, but he didn't. He went into Benjamin. And I will add a point, that which uh, Jewish commentator Rashi had pointed out as well, or it was Ramba, I think Rashi said it, that uh, uh, Jacob suspected his sons had a complicit hand in Joseph's uh, departure. <laughs> All right. As he points out, Jacob, he says, you, sons, you have bereaved me. me. You're the reason, son to his sons, the, the remaining 10, 
you 10 are the reason why I am grieving over Joseph. But he had this animosity, this, this, this unpleasantness, the, un, the unlike or, 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 or upsetness or irritation. They did not trust his 10 sons. Now, on top of course, Reuben, of course, slept with Bilchah, which made a whole messy situation there too. So these issues that Jacob has against his other 10 sons, so where are you going to put your affection? You're poured on Benjamin, the one who has not caused all these heartaches to you. Uh, yes. Um, I wondered if perhaps Joseph was wondering how the brothers were treating Benjamin. He knew how he was being treated. Were they being more respectful of Benjamin or were they being just as bad? Right, which, which, how, which that was a te- extra food. And you have a correct observation. Note that Joseph chose to put Benjamin and give him extra food and clothing, extra food for that instance, five times more than the rest of them. That is a way of trying to provoke this, you know, snide comments or the funny looks. You've had siblings, right? When some, some, one sibling's with the other one, they, 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 they grumble in their breath. I'm, they grumble, grumble, grumble about the. It makes you just loud enough for the other sibling to hear it but not allowed for mom and dad to hear, <laughs> right? <laughs> they don't get in trouble again, but the other thing knows, I know you're, you're, you're responsible for me getting in trouble or, or you, 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 get, you got off easy. Mom and dad were, they didn't understand. You, you know that, I know that. We've all been there. We all had siblings. That's what, how it works. Yeah, your mom's dad's favorite. They all love you more. Yeah, yes, uh, Tammy. One thing I noticed when I was reading that story again is when Joseph gave Benjamin five times the provisions. It was five times the food, five times the articles of clothing, but also five times the amount of alcohol. <laughs> so I wondered if Benjamin was smashed out of his ever-loving mind in comparison to the other brothers. That's a good question. That's a good question. Uh, what do drunk people tend to do? Steal stuff. They tend to talk. <laughs> they tend to talk a lot. Uh, when I've had a beer, guess what? I start talking a lot. <laughs> That's all it takes, right? So I drunk people tend to talk. And when you're talking, what do you want to come out of your mouth? Information or, 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 or whatever you want to say, right? It comes out of mouth. And when your siblings have the opportunity and don't like you, what comes out of your mouth? Because things that irritate them. So he made it such a way to where he would try, as you correctly pointed out, try to provoke or, or see if the brothers would, would, would show any sign of up, irritation or upsetness toward Benjamin. A, a great way of doing that, give him a whole lot of extra stuff and get him plastered. And see what all the other brothers do. See how they treat him, how they treat one another, what the, whether they conspire get, together to make, make this, this, this you know, well, yeah, that, that worthless Benjamin kind of thing, or dad always loved him more than us. You know, all kind of garbage, right? The same thing. To test him. He's finding out what they'll do. Not only that, as uh, uh, Deborah had, had pointed out, putting it in Benjamin's sack gives them even more opportunity to say, yeah, he deserved it. Go away. Right? Opportunity to, he's going to be enslaved, not me. He deserves it. Just like, you just like him, which I'm sure he probably heard <laughs> at some point in his life. So you get, everything was, was, was designed to make jealousy and the opportunity to get rid of Benjamin easy easy without even having to think about it he deserved it he got extra he's he's we don't like him anyway he deserves me this he's a thief all these accusations they pour upon him without any even breaking a sweat what did they do they were upset 
So this, this is our fault. They blamed themselves for what they did to Joseph. This happened eventually because of what we did to Joseph. This happened to us because of what we did to Joseph. They took responsibility. Wait a minute. We are the ones who are guilty for all of this. God is punishing us. And nothing to do with Benjamin. They go back in Judah. Of course, we'll get the oration to, uh, next week when Jeff covers it. Judah's long oration about all explanations as to why, no, I'll take his place. We'll discuss that later. Or Jeff will discuss that next week. The, the, the way, the obviously, I'm going to take the place of somebody who, I'm not the guilty one. I didn't steal it. They, they did. But I want them to go free. I'll take their place instead. Sound like, of course, who's our most famous person who did that? Our Messiah himself, right? I will take the place. Man, no love has, no greater love a man than, than gives life to, to a friend, for a friend. I am take the place of the guilty party. Let them go free and kill me instead, though I'm innocent. That's the, that's the, the, the scenario that Judah winds up doing and, and demonstrating it, not knowing the outcome, not knowing how it was going to end, Messiah had the outcome known, to be fair. Okay? <laughs> Messiah knew what the ending was going to be, how it was going to happen. He had still to go through it, and he went through it far worse than Judah did. But he didn't know the, Judah doesn't know the outcome. He doesn't know how it's going to end. But he's willing to do the act anyway. So it's important to understand what tests Joseph is putting these men through. Why do we care what tests Joseph is putting these men through? Now, mind you, recall what I mentioned a few minutes ago that God's writing down the stuff from the patriarchs and duplicating it later on. So, if the patriarchs, such as Abraham advocating for Sodom and Gomorrah, now mind you, it's Sodom and Gomorrah, okay? Abraham advocated for an evil, corrupt, horrible society who murders people for the fun of it and said, spare them. How many of us would do that? Yeah, that's, not, that's hard to do. We're like, oh no, God, get rid of them. We don't need them. <laughs> we're better off without those people. What did Abraham say? No, we're not. Save them too. So that nature, that nature of Abraham was a unique characteristic of him, which most, even today, do not demonstrate, right? This is not commonly done. In Christianity, do we advocate for, for immoral behavior and survive, make God keep them all alive, don't punish them for it? Very rarely. Now, there may be individuals, I'm not, I'm not, not, not broad painting everybody, what is it? As a whole, it's not a commonly done. In Judaism, the same principle. We don't tend to advocate for evil behavior. We say, wait, well, evil behavior is evil. We don't like that stuff. Get rid of it. We purify or clean up our society, make us better. And Abraham said the opposite. No. Yeah, I don't like the bad behavior. As I mentioned earlier, we discussed the nature of choices when the opportunity to make a choice, even if I disagree with the individual in every imaginable way, them advocating for my freedom means I advocate for theirs. Because the whole frog in the pot, right? A little bit of time, it's wiped away, and then no one's around to advocate for you. Same principle applies regardless of what the scenario is. So we have this scenario going on with, with, uh, with, with, jo- with Judah making this, this, this event, and Joseph going through this test. So why do we care? If Joseph is a messianic figure, and he's testing the followers of Jacob in this way, what is our Messiah going to test in us? What questions are we going to be put against? What struggles we would put against? What difficulties, what hard decisions is going to see and what made better what we're made of? It's the same question. 
the same scenario and we're deserving of punishment. Well, I put myself in the place of someone who is worse off and we're deserving of punishment more so than I am. Will I be willing to take their place? As Judah did. As Abraham advocated for. As Messiah did. What, kind of, what are we made of? What's our character? What, 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 what are we built out of? So what tests is God going to put us through? The same ones he did here. Do we not claim to follow the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob? Do we not claim to say that, yes, we believe Jesus is our Messiah? We claim all these things, but do we demonstrate them? Hence, we have this, this event in our, in, our Torah, in our Torah portion regarding the demonstration of what that looks like. Now, we discussed a few years back now, Joseph, of course, was not recognized during this whole process. His, his brothers did not notice or re- realize who he was. I have the, the obvious same thing occurs in our Messiah today. We all have this image in our head of what our Messiah is or what we were taught what he is. Is any of it true? Virtually none of it is. Very little of it, or the image in our head is actually true. Messiah's truth is only what he said and what he did. Not what we're told about. You must have been to Christian churches, right? But have been to Jewish synagogues too, right? You frequently you were told about the topic, not the actual topic. You were told about the man, not the actual man. About the situation as far as the event, not the actual event. So it's, it's important to see what's the difference between talking about it, being taught about it, versus actually studying it. They're almost, almost always completely unrelated. How many of you have taught, been taught about the Apostle Paul and what his writings are First, what he actually did in life? Very few of us know he kept all the holy days. How would we know? Because he said so. Well, few of us know that. Christianity doesn't teach about it. Very few of us know about, as far as in Judaism in particular, very few of them know about King David. Now, they know about him, but not the mental state of being of the man. Because they're taught about him, not taught him. It's important to know the difference. And when you're studying your own life and your own, your, your own Bibles and your own stories, when you're studying, focus on the story itself, the event itself, the man or woman themselves, not just what you're being taught about them. They're not the same thing. So let's get on Joseph, Joseph here. So Joseph, of course, lived like, uh, it, 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 he, 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 he did not, he did not look like a Hebrew. He did not live like a Hebrew. What did he live like? He looked like he lived like an Egyptian, as he said so. He was given Egyptian clothes, Egyptian name, and uh, obviously Egyptian, Egyptian status. Egyptian ring, as far as the Pharaoh's ring. He was given everything to look at the Egyptian. Did the brothers recognize that? No. So what, were, what are we going to expect regarding our Messiah? Will his brothers, meaning Christians and Jews, will they recognize him? The answer is no. No. We'll recognize him. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Even the crowds who were trying to persecute and catch him, and they couldn't recognize him either. He's not recognizable. Why is that? Because you have a mental state in your image, what he, was, what he, what he looked like. What did the brothers think or last see Joseph look like? A 17-year-old kid, a 17-year-old kid, he may have had to be, I don't know, 17 years old, a young, young man, not, not full grown yet. You know, most men, I don't know if you noticed, their facial features change late teens, early 20s. That's kind of where they start, you know, changing appearance a little bit. That's pretty common for most men. 
Also, they wouldn't recognize him. He didn't look like what they had in the image of their mind of what he once did, what he used to look like. Therefore, you're not going to recognize him. Now, on the other hand, Joseph's brothers were all older than him, and they all look about the same. So when he sees them, they match the image in his head. Yeah, it's been like 17 years, or what, 16 years. It's been a few years, or it was 14. Anyway, a number of years gone by, they still look similar to what they used to look like. He recognizes them, they don't recognize him. So will Christianity recognize Messiah? Not really. They'll recognize, they'll know he's here, but recognize, oh, I, you look just like I imagine you to be. Not even close. Will Judaism recognize Messiah? Oh, you look just like I imagine you to be. Not even close. Neither party is going to recognize what Messiah actually looks like, because he won't look like what they imagined him to once be, or what, they, what he once used to look like, or what they were taught he looked like. Yes, Anne. Well, maybe I'm jumping ahead, but Thomas uh, didn't believe it. Jesus had ri- risen from the dead, and the only time that Je- look at my hands and here, put your hand in my side, then you will you believe? You know, I mean, that the signs were his wounds. Right. Give me the proof. Give me the, the evidence that, that you actually are this individual. And that'll be also in Revelation, right? They'll, they'll see the marks and they'll mourn for knowing who it was. Yep. That, that is his, his characteristic marks. You won't recognize him by necessarily his behavior because he won't necessarily match whatever religion you believe. I'll be honest with you. He won't match mine. He won't match yours. And watch the guy next door. And watch anybody because nobody got it right. We all got some parts and bits and pieces, but no one got it right. So he won't match my religion. He's not going to match yours either. He's not going to match what my preacher taught me or what your preacher teaches you. It won't make a difference. He's not going to match any of them. What will I recognize him by? Well, as Messiah points out to his followers at the time before he was killed, you recognize me or note the works I'm doing. Pay attention to the work I'm doing. If you don't believe me, believe the works you're seeing. Those you can see. So wait a minute. There's only one way those events, those activities, those things can occur if God's with this individual. There's no other way it can happen. So recognizing the works alone, Messiah advocated, just do that. If you got that far, you'll get it. You'll you'll get the rest of the way. Recognize the works themselves. What what am I doing? What are my actions? As Hannah points out with with God, uh, Samuel was, was before he was born. With God, actions are weighed, not your words. With God, what you do matters. That's what he measures you by, what we're measured by. What is Joseph measuring his brothers by? Their actions. What are they going to do? What, do they, what life do they live? Yes, Rose. Uh, well, let's jump even uh, farther ahead uh, to the second advent. Will, will, because he must come first. Today recognize the false christ because he must come first before uh, yeshua comes so how many uh, how many are going to because they have not read the word if uh, if you do not know the uh, beginning you're never going to understand the end and this is why we study this beginning year after year after year so that we understand and will recognize because christ is is at the beginning of Genesis when Christ, when God said, "Let there be light," boom! There He showed up, and He will show up. He shows up all through Scripture, and so uh, most 
I would say a good portion of Christianity today will not recognize uh, the false Christ. They're going to believe that he is Christ. And Christ, Christ even said, there will be few, few when I return that will know who I am. So, and, and, uh, because they didn't study his actions. Yeah, they didn't study his actions. So, and, 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 and the anti-Messiah principle, as far as the, and there have been a few over the years, uh, you note them by their works, as the King, uh, Solomon pointed out in Proverbs. You know man by, by his friends or by, by what he does. So, if you're not sure about a particular individual, not sure what he, whether he's good or bad or, or right or wrong, if, as King Solomon said, uh, then check out his friends. Know the person who he hangs around. And that will tell you who his character is and what his character is made from. So in the case of, of, of your, your correct point as far as people can be deceived if they don't recognize what they're supposed to be looking for. If you don't recognize what you're seeing, look at the actions, look at the events. Do they match what they should match or what, at least what you've been taught they should match? Or do they not match at all? Or what do they match? The events themselves should be able to identify the individual, the actions that, that we weigh and measure. So, okay, so Joseph looks like the Egyptians to his brothers, but he doesn't live like them. Note, he wasn't allowed to eat with the Egyptians, right? Notice that? The Torah says, Joseph eats by himself, his brothers eat by themselves, the Egyptians eat by themselves. No one ate with, 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 with Joseph. What should that tell you about the brothers watching, noticing this? Why are they not eating with him? What's wrong with this? These are odd. Why are the Egyptians like him? Because just because he looks like something you don't recognize doesn't mean he is. Just because you, he appears one way doesn't mean he is. What was the old saying? Appearances are, 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 are deceiving. Don't judge books cover all those cliches. Well, that, they're, they're true. They're, they, actually mean, they actually mean what they say. The inside is not necessarily reflected on the outside. It doesn't match. As Messiah points out, clean the inside, the outside will get clean. Don't work on the outside. Don't clean the outside, the inside stays dirty. So that, so that, that principle is always true. Uh, yes, uh, Larry. I'm thinking about when Messiah asked, who do you think I am? And Peter said, you're the Messiah, essentially. Yeah. And he said, well, it's given, been given to you to know this. So there's a, is there an exception to what you're saying? When, if the Spirit gives you the understanding? Is that Peter was pre-selected prior to Messiah even being born. All right? A character, not by the name Peter, but a character filling Peter's role had to be preset. We know that because David, it was preset with David's time. So a character fulfilling Peter's role had to exist. Peter existed. It was, he was named Peter. He could have been named Bob. Or Jimbo. He was named Peter. Okay, or Kifa. <laughs> he, he was given a name, but it could be anybody. But the character, a person, man had to fulfill that particular role. And Peter was that man. All right? Now, in the case of Messiah, just like the case of King David, uh, there had to be a traitor. Now, King David didn't like the traitor that, he, that, that was selected to betray him. And Messiah pointed out, okay, one of my friends had to be a traitor. One is selected to be a traitor. And though the devil wanted Peter to be that character, so I said, no, 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 don't choose him. And so I said, it was Judas Iscariot was chosen as the betrayer. So, but a character had to be fulfilled as a betrayer, just like it was for, done for David. David had to have a betrayer. He was, one was found. And of course, Messiah had to have one of his close friends be betray him too. So it had to match, right? It had to match, match, match stories. 
So the, a, a human had to fulfill that role. Now we could say it didn't have to be Judas Iscariot. It could also have been Jim the hobo down the street. We don't really know. It just, made, it just a character had to fulfill that role. So in that case, a character had to fulfill all the roles that Messiah needed filled for him to, to fill the story out, to flesh it out and finish off the writing, to make it, make it a script. God selected Peter to fill that role. So was it given to Peter? Yes. God said, you're chosen. You're filling this role. As opposed to Peter's brother or his son or his uncle. Anybody else could be chosen. God would have chosen them. That's the nature of God choosing. So the nature of choosing is still there. But on top of that, Peter still had the responsibility as, as, as uh, both given to Abraham as well as Mary, the, the mother of, of Messiah. They had to say, yes, I'll do this. Yes, I agree to this. Whether verbally explicit or implicitly by internal saying, just to doing so, to following suit. So there's still responsibility on the person receiving end from God. Yes, I have to respond in, in, in an affirmative. I will do this role. I will fulfill this task. I will do this for you. As the angel gave Mary that option and she said, yes, make it happen. And God told Abraham to mo- go. And Abraham said, yes, I'll, I'll leave my country and go. You have, the, the human has to still respond in the affirmative, I will do so. Those who said no, guess what? We don't know anything about them. How many people did God ask before he asked Abraham? I don't know. A dozen? One? A thousand? Zero? I don't know. Do we know anything about them? No. He said no. <laughs> how many people, how many women did God approach before, uh, before uh, Mary? I don't know. One? Zero? A thousand? I don't know. We know nothing about them because they said no. If, 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 if he asked anybody, they all said no. Not going to do it. Mary said yes. So there's a nature of the person has to reply in the affirmative. Now we, write, we, we, we read about them and we know about them. Had they refined the negative, I won't do that. Guess what? They live their life or they do their thing and we know nothing about them. Move on. Regardless of the scenario, I'll do that role. That, that, that's, that, that's a true principle regardless of who you are, regardless of your scenario or what God, if you have to affirm, I'm going to do this. I will agree to do this, whatever it is, and then go do it, as opposed to saying, no, I won't do it. Make sense? So Peter has a both role, a character to be selected. Peter was selected to be that character. And then Peter had to actually reply, yes, I'll do the job. So it's a, it's a two-way street in this instance. Actually, all, all instances are two-way streets. Let's go back a little bit before our, 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 our tour here. We have the, 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 these examples for going in these, these offerings and such. So in the case of uh, the story of Joseph and the different tests that he, that he has, as far as the, 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 the bring Benjamin back, uh, the, trying to induce jealousy, all those various things, we would expect to see those types of things within inside our own Messiah. So I have a question for you. Don't have answers, just think about it. Our Messiah is supposed to be the right-hand throne of God, right? He is a king. He's not God himself, but he's a king. He's, he's, he's one who's the Messiah, the, the, the one who, who fulfills or carries out all of God's instructions and will. As Messiah said, I, I do what my father tells me to do. He fills it all out. So I would expect, as ho- I hope each of you would expect the same thing, that our Messiah would test us the same fashion he tests, Joseph was tested, his brothers. He will go to each of us individually, throughout your life, whether early, late, middle, I don't really care, we test at some point or many times, see, what are you made of? The same principle. 
So does anybody get to escape that test? No. So all brothers had to come. They all had to be tested. Let's see what they were made of. No brother gets to get out of it. And as I think it was Rose pointed out, I forgot who it was who mentioned it earlier, that if you get all the brothers down there, they all get tested. They all get tried in their own way, their own strengths and weaknesses. And mind you, they, this is not the only time they get tried by Joseph. They get tested later on after Jacob dies. They all get afraid. He's going to kill us now. They reiterate to, no, no, no. This, this, this process of who you are, who you turned out to be, is, is, is persistent. You are good men now. You are persistent. Therefore, your blessings will be persistent. They'll persist beyond the death of anybody else. No, you're, not, you're not being preserved strictly in the case of, somebody, of, of Jacob being alive. So Jacob has, of course, come down as well. And Jacob then, of course, bows down to his son also, just like as his brothers had, as his other sons had done too. So even Jacob is tested in that fashion. How many fathers bow down to their sons? Uh, none. Not supposed to. <laughs> right? But in Jacob's case, yes. It was to acknowledge that all my house exists because of you. So will Abraham bow down to Messiah? Yes. Will Adam and Eve bow down to Messiah? Yes. Regardless, even though they, he is the younger, he is the authority. Therefore, they bow down. So the fulfillment of all those prophecies are important to remember and pay attention to. So we expect to see our Messiah do the same thing to all mankind as it bows down before him. That's the whole, the whole, the whole principle. We talked about that, those prophecies in the past as well, his, 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 his examples. Um, I'm going to go through this a little quickly regarding uh, the, 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 the story of our Hoftor, which is the same concept in certain ways of testing. So after a portion, I'll read this. It shouldn't take too long. It's in 1 Kings 3. You know this story, I'm sure, by heart, because it's, 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 it's like told to children and everything else. So I'll read this. It's 1 Kings 3. This is a quick story. It's from verse 15 through 28. It gave you the same concept of the nature of, uh, of, of, of testing. See what you're put to, what kind of test you're put to. So this is the nature of testing. So this is First Kings 3, starting out in verse 15. Then Solomon awoke, and indeed it had been a dream. He had came to Jerusalem and stood before the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord, offered up burnt offerings, offered peace offerings, and made a feast for all of his servants. Then two women who were harlots came to the king and stood before him. One woman said, O Lord, this woman and I dwell in the same household, and I gave birth while she was in the house. Then it happened on the third day after I had given birth that this woman also gave birth, and we were together. There was no one with us in the house except the two of us in the house. And this woman's son died in the night because she laid on him. So she arose in the middle of the night and took my son from my side while your maidservant slept and laid him in her bosom and laid her dead child in my bosom. And when I arose in the morning to nurse my son, there he was dead. But when I examined him in the morning, indeed, he was not my son whom I had born. Then the other one said, no, but the living one is my son and the dead one is yours. The first one said, no, but the dead one is your son. The living one is my son. Thus they spoke for the king. King said, the one says, this, son, this, this, my, this is my son who lives, and your son is the dead one. The other says, no, but your son is the dead one, and this, this son is the living one, is mine. The king said, bring me a sword. They brought him a sword for the king. 
The king said, divide the living child into two and give half to one and half to the other. The woman whose son was the living spoke to the king for she yearned with compassion for her son. She said, oh my Lord, give her the living child. By no means kill him. The woman said, let him be neither mine nor yours, but divide him up. So the, Lord answered, sorry, the king answered and said, Give the first one the living child, and by no means kill him. She is his mother. And all of Israel heard the judgment which the king had re- rendered, and they feared the king, for they saw the wisdom of God was within him to administer justice. Now this, this story is a, is a simple story, right? Simple principle, right? But what we're learning from it regarding our Torah portion, which is what we're learning for this portion, is what does the king do? He gives an impossible scenario. You can't get out of it right? Divide the child in two. Uh, wait a minute. If I'm going to press my, my rights, I'm going to press that this son's mine, this is cut in half. This is the outcome. I can't get out of this. Benjamin's guilty of robbery, right? If I press to set him free, I can't win. I, I can't get out of the situation. It is too obvious that he's guilty. These tests, the type of situations which we learned that Solomon puts us through, put, put these women through, Joseph put his brothers through, it is an impossible test, meaning you cannot win it. There isn't the correct answer that everybody goes off and is all, lives happily ever after. You choose to put them through. They couldn't win. What was the solution? You choose to lose. To ask this question, would you rather be right or would you rather have a relationship? That's true, too. And you can take that story and, and put it right out into life, into the relationships that you currently have. Yep. You know, how important is my opinion compared to my relationship with my spouse? Mm-hmm. I choose relationship over, over my opinion because my opinion in five bucks will buy me a cup of coffee. <laughs> or a beer. <laughs> well, some beers. <laughs> Yeah, that's a same principle. But the idea is, so you, if, if the tests are designed for you to fail them, meaning you cannot win, what must you then do? Yes, Larry. Say, uh, you know, I always thought that, yeah, that was pretty obvious. Why he says he's so smart, he came up with that. Well, I think I could come up with that. Right. But what his, what his wisdom was, is he knew how to make the system so that someone had to confess they had to confess had to make some some acknowledgement which our own course is is not usually successful at doing even though they didn't really confess but it made it obvious who was guilty and who was that exactly so so it's it's designed it's a way to where it forces that answer out and in that instance far as what he was doing forced answer for the two women forced an answer out that you couldn't couldn't could not stand your ground and get what you were after. You had to give this up to make this happen. And there were no witnesses either. Right. There were, yeah, nobody else could, 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 could witness it for or against you. So it's, it's he said, she said, well, actually they both are she's, but she said, she said in this instance. So this, the nature of the test itself was designed to be a failed test. You, you couldn't pass it. So what do we expect from a side to test us with? On something you cannot pass. You cannot succeed. There's not a correct answer. It's not a way out. It's not a, oh, well, the Torah says this, therefore I do that. It's not something simple like that. How many of us like the simple tests? We love those. Just tell me what to do and I'll go do it. I'll happily do it. Those are the easy ones. And guess what? We call those first grade tests, you know, in your kindergartens, you know, 
one plus one, the simple ones. We love those. I can, all day long, give me the sheets. I'll just, they're easy, right? There's no effort involved in it. It's easy tests. We love those because you can pass them in flying colors until so you finally get farther up in the scale. Oh, crud. Now what? I have to work at this or I don't know how to solve it. I can't solve this. I don't have the knowledge to solve this scenario. Those are the tests to find out what you're made of. Do you get angry? Do you, get, do you, do you lash back? Do you, do you lose your temper? Do you lose your cool? Or do you relent? And that you're being pushed in a corner. That to put, a, put somebody in a corner, what they, do they lash out or, the, or do, or do they, they, they resign themselves? These tests that we have, these scenarios, is to resign yourself. So Messiah, Joseph, King Solomon, put you a test where you cannot win. You have to relent. You have to give. Say, okay, it's out of my hands. I give up. Those are the tests to find out what are you made of. Does that make sense? That's what we expect our Messiah to put each of us through. It's about our lives now and probably when he comes. Any questions or comments regarding the Torah portion or half Torah portion today? All right, we're closing up. Mind you, we have our new moon to do shortly after our, any of our service here. And then we have our Hanukkah to do to later on this evening. Have a little bit of inter- There'll be some interlude time between them, but that, that's, just, that, that's our sequence of events this evening. So keep your new moon prayers ready and available when we get to there. We're going to conclude with a prayer. Almighty God, our great Father, thank you for a Shabbat day of rest, a day of studying and worshiping and praising and understanding your way of life. Lord, we ask you to bless us and grant us peace this day as we enjoy our, our time of Hanukkah, our time of the new moon, the celebrations we have, Father, as the best we can as we remember the great things you've done for us in our lives and the lives of those whom we love. Father, we ask you to bless us and grant us good peace and good camaraderie and friendship as we share share in your wondrous mercy and your wondrous works you've done, the miracles you've done for many years. Praise your Father and ask your blessing in Yeshua's name. Amen. You've been listening to a discussion at Hallel Fellowship. If you would like to hear more discussions or if you have any questions, visit the website at Hallel.info. That's H-A-L-L-E-L dot I-N-F-O. Halal.info.